From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right, here we go. Thanks for tuning in. This week's conversation, coming up in just a minute or two, is from Indie Weekly, number 78. It is Daryl Hurr's Indie Week's founder chatting with music supervisor Cody Partridge. It is, of course, all about sync licensing. Fantastic conversation for every musician out there, as well as artist managers and so on, about the entire sync licensing process. If there's such thing as a rock star in the music supervision world right now in Canada, Cody Partridge is the guy. He's the president of Pear Tree Music Supervision. He uh, provides the music or sources the music for Schitt's Creek, Letterkenny, uh, Ginny and Georgia, as well as tons of advertising campaigns you've most likely seen from TELUS, Nissan, Canada Life, and others. So anyways, won't waste much time. This is a great conversation. But first, just a quick reminder that these Indie Weekly conversations, like the one you're about to hear, happen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is Toronto time. Each week, Daryl Hers brings in a either notable artist or industry professional of some kind to have these live conversations with the Indie Week community to help you all make more money, boost your career, and just generally gain more knowledge. To see what uh, conversations are coming up, go to IndieWeek.com. Just hit the Indie Weekly tab there at the top of the page. So again, that's every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Toronto time, and they're always free. But before we get to that, we begin each Indie Weekly session by acknowledging the land on which Indie Week Inc. is based is the traditional territory of the Wendat, Ashinabe, Haudenosaunee, Métis, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We also must thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, Actorax, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. Their support is vital to the work we do, and we thank them. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Now, to the conversation. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, another edition of our Indie Weekly. This is Indie Weekly number 78. Can't believe we've done this 78 times already since the start of COVID. We do this every week. So if this is your first time here, uh, Tuesdays at four o'clock Toronto time, uh, we welcome everybody. It's a free session and we're always talking industry. And uh, we are very close to launching our online community. Uh, we were going to we are going to send out a newsletter that'll be a link to sign up to the newsletter for our community so that you'll be first to know about when we're launching it. Uh, we're just in the process of working things out with Apple so we can get our app on the App Store. Uh, that's always a fun time, but uh, we're getting close. So uh, it's our DIT community, uh, which is do it together. Uh, it's going to be great. So uh, that's a lot. And uh, I want to now be able to make sure we have lots of time to talk uh, because we've got a really great guest. Um, so Cody, I saw really clean house at the Yellow Combo earlier this year for the Sync Awards. Uh, and I was like, Zach, we really need to get Cody on to talk because uh, every conference, Sync and licensing, music supervision are hot topics. And we always want to make sure that we're recognizing the information that our audience wants. So uh, we're really lucky to have uh, Cody Partridge uh, from Pear Tree Supervision here. Uh, Cody is a multi-award winning music supervisor and president of Pear Tree Music. 
With a decade of experience, he has over 150 credits of clearances and placements in all forms of media. Crazy stuff. Uh, Cody, I'm going to let you give a little bit better of your background. I just wanted to put it key sure. points to set it up, but I'll let you take it away. Awesome. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, you know, always love to chat supervision where I can. And, you know, um, so I appreciate you, you bringing me on. Um, yeah. So basically I uh, started my career. We can get into the whole nitty gritty of it, but basically I did a quick uh, two-year program at Durham College in Oshawa, uh, music business program there. And uh, from there, I was like, oh, what do I want to do in the industry? Thought maybe live events and that. But then uh, I was a big fan of the OC uh, growing up. And uh, I was like, man, there's so many wicked music moments um, in that. I was like, who does that? So I eventually found out through one of the classes that it was a music supervisor. And that was it was just kind of jobs you can do in the industry. Somebody's like, oh, music supervisor. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Never again did I hear about it. So. I grinded, I worked, uh, you know, three jobs. And then eventually a guy by the name of David Heyman uh, gave me a shot and he kind of brought me on part-time under a new company that he was creating called Supersonic at the time. Um, it eventually grew into what was known as Supergroup. And uh, I was with him for about eight or nine years. Uh, he suddenly passed back in May, 2020. And it was kind of, okay, what do I do now? And uh, I decided to kind of forge my own path and, and go out on my own and start Paratree Music Supervision. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. And yeah, basically that in a nutshell, that's kind of where I'm at. So it's been just over 10 years and uh, worked on a ton, a ton of projects. And I just I love what I do every day, luckily still, and uh, get to do things like this and meet artists and work on productions. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a cool gig. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. It, it. It is a cool gig. And, and uh, yeah, if anybody knew David, uh, what a great guy and what a contributor to our industry, I have to say. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to sort of start how. OK, so our audience is usually a mixture of people in the business side, but also on the creator artistic side. Um, so let's first off, how does one find themselves getting into this business how how does what's the entry point if you don't know david um, yeah exactly how, how, how I, did, did, I didn't what? know david so i mean i totally hear you um that's a good question so there's a lot of programs out there now that offer you know uh music supervision courses um if not music supervision courses there's you know music uh again programs at humber and ryerson and durham colleges i went to and and there's that could definitely help to set you up in the respect of a networking because the profs at those, at those courses, they've been around the industry. They've been around the block. So they know people who know people who know people uh, probably in all echelons of, uh, of the industry. Um, so I think that that helped me definitely benefited me um, to have that. Cause it also allowed me opportunities to dabble in different, lines of work in the music industry in the respect of learning theory, learning about them, whatever it was, and realizing that it wasn't for me. So um, what I found was doing that also kept me very motivated and very focused on what I did want to do. Um, but for somebody getting into it now, um, you know, networking is 90% of what we do as a supervisor anyway. So getting into that and starting to make connections and reaching out to supervisors, reaching out, finding out about labels and publishers and on that side of the coin as well, uh, dealing with the 
the musicians as opposed to dealing with the production. Um, that's also a great avenue to get into this because realistically, music supervisors and sync reps at the labels, publishers, sync agencies, et cetera, we all work as a community. Like we all know each other. We've all worked each other on a day-to-day -day basis. So whether you're the representation of the uh, the production or whether you're the representation of the music rights, you know, we all work together. So really it's just one side of the coin. Um, so I would, you know, not necessarily just focus on music supervision. Maybe you also want to dabble or explore labels, publishers, sync reps, management companies, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, what I've found versus what it was 10 years ago is music supervision is still a relatively new profession. It really kind of started taking off around early 2000s. So it's only, you know, it hasn't been around that long. Like, yes, there were definitely supervisors in the 90s, 80s, et cetera, but very sparse. And a lot of lawyers kind of handled that music clearance work. Um, but, uh, you know, I find that nowadays versus, you know, whenever I started, there's a lot more opportunities. There's a lot more projects being created, <laughs> if you will. Um, so really, it's just kind of getting getting in and finding the different avenues and uh, and just sticking with it, I guess. Now, I was going to bring up, actually, because you, you sort of already touched on it, with the amount of different streaming type services, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, all of that, like, it just seems like there's more and more placements to be had these days like like work must be booming yeah so there's a lot of content i mean i found uh during the pandemic it really boomed um it was probably the busiest i've ever been just because everybody was landlocked everybody was locked at home so the content that people had to you know companies had to produce and you know get out there it was an abundance um but yeah there's lots of work to be had which is great um i mean at the moment you know i'd love it to keep coming so let's just Fingers crossed that it continues that way. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot more. Uh, again, it's 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 a lot more of an accepted role, music supervisor, than it once was. Because like I said, a lot of producers try to do it um, and realize very quickly that it's a little bit more overwhelming. There's a reason that there's a designated person who deals with music clearances. It's just not an extra tagline you throw on a producer, which is kind of my philosophy of like, hey, producers have a million things on their mind let me make music not one of their issues or one of their concerns right um but uh, there's a lot of a lot of content being produced which is great and it gives a lot more opportunities than say there once was hey there listener sorry to interrupt we just wanted to say please be sure to follow indie week on social media and stay tuned for more information on our upcoming online conferences in this case our next one is screen by screen the music and tech conference coming up on february 6th to 8th 2023 whether it's the metaverse, NFTs, gaming, AR and VR, artificial intelligence, any frontier of the technology space as it relates to music creation and the music business, come find out what's going on and what's going to go on. So that is Screen by Screen, February 6th to 8th, 2023. Go to ScreenXScreen.com and follow Indie Week on social media across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and more. And now back to our Indie Weekly conversation. So anytime I've had to deal with a, a music supervisor, it's usually, hi, I'm looking for this and this and this. Can you send it like now? And it, it, it's, it seems like the window is very small to actually get it in. Like, oh, I, I sent it to you an hour from now. And then it's like, oh, it's already gone. Yeah. Um, like what, what, let's, let's sort of talk a bit about the expectations uh, of this because uh 
you know, I work, you may or may not know, I work for downtown CD baby and such. And it's like when people are uploading music, there's a checkbox of like, yes, you, this is cleared and ready to go. Otherwise we need clearances. So I, 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 I know that's a long question, but there's a that's whole process, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. so could we kind of like go, here's yeah. the, here's the, the request. How long of a window is it? And, and what, Take sure. it so you could push it through quickly. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, okay, so it's it's a very fast paced uh, profession. I do find um, a lot of the times, you know, we start with say briefs. So I go out and I say, hey, like you know, I'm looking for this. Let's replace Nia Simone or something like that, right? And then I get a whole bunch of options. But like the thing is, the turnaround for that's like two days or three days, if that, if I'm lucky enough to have that kind of leadway. Um, but a lot of the times, it's kind of like. Okay, so you pitch me my music or your music. I give a listen. I think that it works for the spot. I throw it to production. Production's like, yeah, we love it. I need to like lock that in. Sometimes I need to lock that in within a day or within four hours or whatever it is. Depends how how fast production's working. Sometimes I get brought in where I have you know a month's lead time to build this soundtrack and get rights cleared in that sometimes I get brought in and I should have brought it been brought in a month ago and now it's like hey we're mixing we're actually extending our mix to get these these uh these songs put in we need to clear these like now like yesterday so um it all depends on the project but definitely fast paced uh most times we're brought in a little bit later than we would like to be but I think that's with anybody you know we'd love to be brought in on the ground floor but whenever we're kind of brought in as they're putting on the finishes um we just have to move a little bit faster. So yes, so there's a chance that things could move incredibly quickly. Um, and in order to do that as a musician, you need to make sure that you have what we say is your ducks in a row. We need to make sure that you have everything sorted before the music touches a music supervisor's hands in the respect of ownership. So you have to make sure, are there co-writers on there? If there are, no problem. Just make sure that either A, you can sign off on the behalf. If they have publishers attached or representation, you flag that from the very get-go. Um, we want to avoid any surprises. Surprises in our field of work is one of the most stressful things you can do the best thing you can do is prep work. So, um, you know, so if you have a track that you want to send to a music supervisor, make sure that, uh, again, if you have any co-writes, you flag that from the beginning, you know what the percentage splits are, you know, whether you can sign off on behalf of those other writers or whether you need to direct them, you know, have contact information for those other writers directly where you loop in the music supervisor whether they have representation are they published by sony or are they completely independent and own their own stuff you need to know all of that information without a shadow of a doubt before the track gets sent to a supervisor because that will make everything be expedited in the approval process if you have to say hold on a second i just need to confirm with my buddy who owns 30% of the track that we're good to move with this, you've lost the placement. Not saying guaranteed you've lost the placement, but there's a good chance where I'll be like, okay, great. This is too difficult. I need to move on and, and find somebody who's got their ducks in a row. Um, because you know, the worst thing we can do is work on a smaller project and have a lower budget. And then all of a sudden be like, yeah, this works great. Everybody falls in love with the track. And you're like, oh, Sony Music Publishing or oh, Warner Chapel is a publisher on it. And it's like, well, I've only got X amount that's like, you know five percent of what usually sony needs but i thought we were good at this because you had pitched it right and and we don't want egg on our face and having all that pre-production done with your rights holders and having that all organized and easily laid out 
I suggest even putting it in the metadata of the MP3. So where it says notes, you click on it on iTunes, get info, and in the notes section, break that down. Who, what are the writer's splits? Uh, can, is it one stop? Can you sign off on Master and Publishing? Put it all there. So whenever I click on the track and I click get info, it's all there. Or I can ask you and you can say, yep, no problem. Here's what's in the metadata. Recopy and paste it to me. So I know that everything is sorted. So there's absolutely no risk of a, of a placement going sideways where now production is playing 10 times what they were anticipating play paying, which blows up the budget, which blows up the whole thing, which makes me look bad, which makes you look bad. It's just a whole spiral of, of things that can get out of control. So having your ducks in a row is so freaking important and crucial that I can't express that enough. And the other thing that I don't say enough that I really want to say now while I have a moment, make yourself super readily available on all of your social medias, on whatever, throw an email. Because I can't tell you how much it frustrates me whenever I find a track, I throw it in. I'm like, where did that come from? I find the artist's name and I go and I cannot find any contact information for you. That is the most frustrating thing as a supervisor. And I can say that very uh, passionately. <laughs> and I can say that on behalf of other supervisors, because we've all had this conversation of like, all I want is to click on your Facebook or click on your website or whatever it is. And just very clearly contact at boom, done email done. I don't want to be Instagram messaging you. I don't want to be Facebook messaging you being like, I can't find an email. What's the best email to send this request to? Because it also comes across as like spam of like some guy being like, Hey, I want to license your music for this song. It seems weird. So it's like, just put an email that I can formally email you and that will make my life easier. So that's my rant on that. But anyways, <laughs> super tip. Number one, the contact yeah. info easily found. I, and I got to say, like, even in having to book bands at venues at times, looking like I, out of 20 bands, I need I've got one spot. I'm I'm passing on the one that I need to work hard on and and close. I close the tab. I go to the next one and oh, look, an email. I can send it. I'm going to book this band. That's it. Resistance is one of the most detrimental things to people trying to get placed. So if there's any sort of hurdles, it's like we get so much music pumped into us. We have such tight deadlines that it's like if there's hurdles, unless it's something, you know, relatively special or or whatever it is, it's like we just want stuff that's easy to clear and easy to get a hold of people. That's like our biggest thing. Well, not our biggest thing, but that's one of the biggest things that helps somebody who hasn't doesn't have the sync history, doesn't have any placements, first time people. It really helps if it's just people are easy going. People have their ducks in a row and I can find an easy contact for you. Those are like the three main points for people trying to get their first placement. I would strongly say that anyway. I, I think the music industry has shifted over the last 10 years where I think 10 years ago, we all like to make it kind of difficult on purpose. And now we're like, man, we're too busy. They're, I just want it to be easy. And so, I, I, just, I just want to do my job and, and move on to the next thing. It's not cool to be a mystery anymore. It's like, <laughs> I want six ways to contact you if I can, you know? Exactly. But, now you said a lot. And, and yeah. so a uh, couple of things. Um, I wanted to confirm something, but I also wanted to sort of talk about, like you were talking about easy to uh, clear samples. Um, <laughs> Want to comment on samples? Oh, samples. They're somewhat of the bane of my existence. Uh, no. So I, I worked on a, a show that was all about hip hop and it was a real eye opener. Like, again, I I didn't understand 
why samples were even a thing. I educated myself on it. Very interesting history. Very cool. Totally get it. But if you're going to sample things, you need to do it right. You need to do, because there's like uncleared samples, excuse me, and there's cleared samples. It's that simple. Cleared samples, you go, you get permission of the original writers. Are you featuring the original master in there as well? If you are, okay, cool. You just have to make sure that the appropriate parties are credited and the appropriate parties get their percentage splits. That's simple. But it's it's more legwork on the artist to do that other than just slap in a song. And then when I go to clear it, I have to get 100% of the master and publishing cleared. So if you're using something like a James Brown track, for example, then I have to go clear James Brown. I can't. You can't just sign off on behalf of James Brown because it's in your new composition. And there's a lot of people who have tried that with me. And it's like, we can't do that. So you either need to have sample-free versions of your music, which will lose an element because there's a reason you have a sample in there in the first place. But clearing samples can be very difficult if the artist hasn't gone ahead and done it properly. Because if I go to James Brown and be like, hey, I want to use this song. It's featuring James Brown vocals. They're going to be like, what song is this? Absolutely not. We didn't give permission for this. So I don't know if that answers your 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 question about samples, but they're, they can be very difficult, but they can also be somewhat easy. It's just more parties are involved and the artist who has sampled the track loses percentages of most likely both the master and the publishing unless they do an interpolation. But it, it can complicate things very quickly. It's it's the one thing I hear all the time is samples. Um, yeah. Now, the, the other thing is some of the advice I've given to artists uh, and, and a lot of artists that have come through any week are on CD Baby. I'm, I work for CD Baby is um, I suggest often have an instrumental version of your track because often you want to be able to mix freely uh, between instrumental to the actual version. Um, do you want to come? Are you able to comment on yeah, that a little bit? Absolutely. So before I do, I just want to, I was just reading and I was like, oh, there's a, maybe not question in here, but a question leads to, I see the samples on logic are cleared for samples. Okay. Yes. I believe logic is good, but read the fine print as well as if you go to any royalty free sites, because a lot of royalty free sites will allow you to freely use their samples in a commercial release. However, as soon as it gets into the sync world and you're, and you're pairing it with picture, that needs additional clearances. They need additional credit on the cue sheets. They need to approve those uses with publishing splits, probably already laid out in the fine print of those agreements. But if you're using other songs and you're sampling them, just make sure you know exactly the rules around syncing those sampled tracks, even from royalty-free sites. So anyways, that's just my other thing on samples. And now we can never speak of samples again and I'll, it'll be too soon. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, but instrumentals, yes, absolutely. What I personally prefer is whenever music is being sent to me, I prefer just getting the full mix. So with the vocals, everything like that, because I can hear what the instrumental would sound like. Then if it becomes serious where it's a contender or on a short list or, or a pitch for a production, and I think that an instrumental would benefit it, I would reach out and ask for those instrumentals. But again, like we talked about initially, path least resistance, have those instrumentals on hand and available upon request. The reason I personally do it is because I'm still old school. I ingest everything, put it in my iTunes, make my own playlists. I'm not a disco user at the moment anyway. So I do it old school. So if I have four versions of the same song, it just takes up space on my hard drive. So if I can get the full mix with a note saying instrumentals 
instrumentals available upon request, then I know if it becomes a, re a reality and I need to place it, or I, I have the opportunity to place it and we negotiate, you can send me an instrumental at that point whenever you're sending me the wave file um, for the final mix. So then the editors can do their thing. Um, the other thing too is whenever sending me music, please make them MP3 formats. The reason being two reasons. One, space, as I just mentioned. Two is it retains the metadata. Waves wipe the metadata. So all that information you put on ownership, contact information, et cetera, et cetera, it's gone if you send me waves. So send me an MP3. How'd that go? <laughs> How's that? I get yeah. a lot. I'm just kind of, I don't know why, but I'm fired up. I'm like, whoop, let's just get it all out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm working on my Red Bull. So uh there you go. <laughs> and and as I didn't mention it at the start, but I usually do. But anybody have a connection with Red Bull? I'm I'm open to sponsorships. I'm open <laughs> to uh but um yeah, so with the instrumental part, I often say release it on Spotify as an additional track. Why not? Um and then you've got the link to just fire away and send if anybody needs it. Uh it's about being ready to respond. I, I that's I, I know we were laboring on that point, but it's about, yes. And the, the other point I wanted to sort of mention, kind of like coming out of what you said before, relationships. Um, this, this feels like, you know, you, you start getting to know who's easy to work with, who, who's done it right before, who's your go-to, like how, how important, I know we talk about this a lot, but how important are relationships in this side of the industry? Oh, I would say that's, you know, networking is probably in a realistic figure, 85% of what I do, um, because you have to have those, those relationships with the shorthand, you know, it's a very much, a, and I mean, this is, this can be construed the wrong way, but it's a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of scenario where it's like, Hey, if you're easy to deal with and you're quick to respond and we can get this done, like lickety split. I will probably come back to you again and again and again and start building that relationship. If you put up the resistance and it's a little difficult, then you know I, I may not I may not be able to come back. Like you know what I mean? Like because it's like, or if there's a sample issue and I get burned on that sample issue, which has happened, then it's like you're you're off my list forever. Like you know, you it's like the you know, there's no fool me once, fool me twice. It's like if 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 it doesn't work out the first time and and there's there's some sort of egg on my face. I just, I can't risk that again, because it's about reputation in this industry. It's about networking. If you look bad to a production that gets around, if you look bad to a rights holder, that's gets, so it's just like, you know, everything needs to be up and up because there's networking and relationships are so important in what we do. Because again, there's maybe 28 of us that are accredited supervisors in Canada. So like, you know, there's a lot of work for 28 of us. And if you start burning those bridges, you don't want that to happen. So you got to build those relationships. Right. And everybody knows everybody. Uh, everybody knows everybody. People don't think know each other. They know each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking, you know, I was talking to Perlmutter last week. Yeah. Uh, Kim Temple was here uh, and things like that. So yeah. um, and and I, I also wanted to relate to an old story of mine where uh, with metadata, uh, this is a little older in where things were more like on sheets of paper and such, but um, issues can come up in the collection of royalties and such. Um, so I was working with a band in Ireland and we uh, synced half of the album with, uh, I think it was Guiding Light uh, Soap Opera, which was an interesting one. Uh, I think it was in 144 countries. And we were wondering why money wasn't coming in. And we finally were able to get the actual piece of paper 
facts to us and they had re rewritten all the titles of the songs incorrectly um which you know kind of made us wonder and such but it took time for us to get paid we eventually got paid but it just sort of shows how important your data is and the information um have you had a, a case like that where you you there was a, an error somewhere and uh, um, had to fix it yeah so yes and no i mean uh, you know cue sheets are always a tricky thing but uh, i guess what what i was spelling about there is like i know that you know some sync reps for example change the names of the songs whenever we go to put them on the cue sheet because that's some deal that they have with the artist so to split the royalty it's you know change the title that they've registered the sync rep has registered so that's why i was smiling because whenever you're saying it was under a different name i was like i wonder if like a production changed that and they were receiving the royalties potentially or something like that not saying that that's what happened at all but but i know that that's what some uh you know sync reps or some publishers do do um to help you know with whatever on the back end deal they have with the artists that they see revenue that they wouldn't necessarily see because they only see the publisher's share, for example. So, anyways, that was just that was just my yeah. my smile at the the change of name. That's all. And 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 luckily, as things get more digital, those kind of instances are uh, like the connecting dots, as we're saying, in the backgrounds are getting easier and easier. Hopefully, uh, but it just sort of shows the importance of inputting the data, the metadata, correctly the first time. Um, Questions are sort of coming in, and I want to make sure we're kind of grabbing some as we go. Um, Adam says, how should music be sent to music supervisors? What is the ultimate way for music supervisors or how music supervisors prefer to receive music? Disco? Uh, yeah, disco is good. Um, honestly, the again, another great tip for anybody pitching music is make sure whatever format you use, the links do not expire. So whether that be a Dropbox, a Google Drive, a Disco, do not let the, don't do we transfer that expires in two weeks. Don't do whatever other file sharing platform. Do not let them expire. The reason being is that uh, I never know when I'm revisiting that email. So I could be working on a project, something, you know, you have a buzzword in there, you have artists that you're similar to, for example, and one of those artists is something that I'm looking for in a new project and I need to replace it. So let's just use an example, Nina Simone, you have in your email, hey, I'm, you know, an artist I'm similar to or inspired by is Nina Simone. So I go to my Google, I get a new project in, Nina Simone's a temp track, I don't have the budget for Nina. Okay, cool. I go to my email, start typing in Nina Simone, see who sent me music that's like Nina Simone. I click on your link and it's dead, I'm moving on. I don't care, I don't care. It's just, I have so much content that I'm moving on and I don't know when that project's coming in. Is it tomorrow? Is it in two years? So if you, those links don't expire, I can always get to your music. If they expire, I'm moving on to the next. That's just unfortunately the reality of the business, at least the way that I do it. So Yeah, I've, I've had uh, expired links as well. Like, again, how fast we move. You can't like, hey, this thing that you sent me two years ago, can you resend me these songs? Like, it's just not a reality. It's not realistic, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... We're a fast-paced business that's getting faster in the digital age. Um, another one from Steve. Uh, I learned that some forms of files do not have the ability to say, see metadata. Is AIFF preferred versus other? 
Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned, MP3s, I prefer MP3s because uh, it keeps all the metadata in there and the file size is reasonable. It's fine to give a producer uh, a vibe of what the music is. I mean, the quality is just fine. That's what you usually download anyway from iTunes or whatever it is. But then whenever it becomes a reality, that's whenever I'll be in touch with the to get a wave, an AIFF, whatever it may be. Um, and at that point, it doesn't matter whether the metadata is in it or not because I'm already talking to you about a deal. So I don't need to know who owns it because I have the MP3 that says that, but I'm also already talking to the source. So um, I would say send everything in MP3. That's what I would strongly suggest. Awesome. And then I've noticed there's also some CD Baby questions that were above. Um, when you're on CD Baby Pro, there is a check boxes for sync. And uh, when you do that, you're saying it. I've got all clearances because our sync, it goes into our database for supervisors to find. Uh, and there have been placements on like things uh, like Stranger Things and such through CD Baby. Um, and we do have a tool for people to look up, but you have to make sure it's all cleared. Then you check it. And then it's more of a process. If we get a, a request, it just goes through and then you get paid. Like there's no time to ask questions or or anything. It's just, you've agreed that it's available for sync. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's just the rule for all sync. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> Great. If it doesn't, it is what it is. Like, you know, it's it's a patience game. It's uh yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. And and also being being aware that, hey, if it didn't happen this time, it's okay. And we could try again. And it might take a couple of years even to get your first sync. Yeah. There's no, there's no you know? magic formula. That's Absolutely, exactly. With it is the music business overall. <laughs> uh, so um, I wanted to also give time on, like, what's your day to day like? Like, what's a typical day in in your world? Yeah, um, lots of calls, lots of meetings. Um, but no, uh, <clears throat> so I mean, I have my day. I uh, I have a list of all my projects, and basically, I have my priorities and my flags in my email, and I go through those, you know, alphabetically, say. Uh, of my projects and I start seeing, okay, what does this project need? Do I need to follow up on agreements that I haven't received yet? Do I need to do a creative pitch or a creative search for this project? Um, you know, it, it differs day to day, but there's some elements that are kind of, you know, uh, cohesive throughout the days. Um, but really it's kind of, it's all about setting priorities of, of deadlines. Um, so it's kind of, okay, so if I have 20 projects on the go, what needs my attention first? You know, where's the next deadline? Is that for paperwork or is that for at, or for creative? Do I need to get a search off to replace this song in this scene? Or do I need to try to wrangle the last signatures to close out this TV show on the agreements? So, you know, it's... Uh, Everybody, everybody sees the sexy side of music supervisor, uh, music supervision of like, hey, you know, I want to be a music supervisor because I want to just place all the music that I absolutely love. And, you know, I've got a great taste in music and that's that's a dream job. I would say most most of the time, about 10 percent of our job is creative um, where we get full, full fledged. You put the music you like in there. Um, a lot of times when we're working the production, uh, you know, they have some temp tracks in there that they have in mind. They give you kind of a guidance of, of what tracks, you know, if we need to replace a Nina Simone track, for example, what they liked about it. Okay, great. I can go put some options together, but in the end, the producers, they make the, they call the shots. There's the odd time where they're like, I don't know what we want to use here. You tell me. And it's like, oh boy. All right, let's do it. But that comes very kind of few and far between. So 
<clears throat> you know, day to day, whenever I'm doing these pitches, I'm putting together batches that I can send to production for them to make the ultimate decision on which ones they like. Um, but again, I would say the bulk of our job, the unsexy side is the admin side, right? It's all about navigating these rights, you know, who owns what percentages? Can we get these agreements signed? Are they issuing their own agreements? Okay, we got them signed. Let's get them to production. Hey, production, you need to sign these and pay these invoices. And it's all about kind of coordinating all of that, all that paperwork. So most people think it's just us listening to music all the time and being like, yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. Where that's like a very limited amount of what we really do. Cause once the song's placed, then we have all the other things of getting everybody's signatures and finding that 1% who owns it. That is some guy who delivered a pizza that day and they have a percentage of it or something like that. That's really where the nitty gritty, that's really where the supervision focus or I find I spend most of my time is kind of navigating the admin side and navigating rights holders and navigating ownership um, where the creative side is the fun part, we'll call it. And uh, it's still a very important tool, but uh, I would say most of my days are taken up by admin work. And then, um, you know, I get to sprinkle in the fun creative in there um, depending on how many projects I'm working on and, and what their needs are. So. Right. So it's kind of like being an artist and writing, rehearsing, recording, and then getting that half hour on stage to perform. It's all the stuff that people don't see uh, that leads yeah. to that moment. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, there, it's not unlikely for a film to take six months to a year to complete. And there's maybe 12 songs in a film. So it's like you do all that pre-work to get it done. We finally make the selects. And now you got to fill six months with chasing paperwork. So, you know, just to put it into that perspective. And and how what can an artist expect like if they were to get synced? Like I know that there's different types of deals, but if we could sort of maybe outline a few of them, like payment up front or yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Flat so, fee versus percentage and things like that. Yeah. So I would say I I mean what I usually deal with is I would say 90% of the deals that I do are for all media and purple world rights. So what that means is when I take your song and I put it in this TV show, in the context of that TV show, in that scene, that show can then go and be shown in all media. So all media. So that can be, you know, TV channels, streaming services online. You list it. Doesn't matter. All media now known or ever devised. Um, that's what all media means. In perp, that means forever. So that means within the body of that TV show, that TV show can show forever. There's no limitation on when that term expires. And then... Um, World rights means it can be shown in any country. So you're not just limited to having that show shown in Canada. It can go anywhere. So I always try for all media and purple world rights. That allows basically the production to never have to revisit that. They play a flat fee, an upfront flat fee to get the rights for those terms. Then on the back end, we fill out what's called a cue sheet, and that's where we put all the writer information, the publishing information, the splits, et cetera, et cetera, performing rights organizations, and we submit those to the performing rights organizations. Those then pay out royalties every time that show is shown. Um, so those are kind of your two, we'll call them avenues of, of income. There's the upfront licensing fee, and there's the back end royalty fee. Um, there are situations where you can look at what's called a step deal. So you say a production comes and they don't have the budget to afford an all media in purple world rights, which if you think about it, that's the broadest rights you can ask for. Um, what they'll do is they'll limit those rights to say a one year Canada only film festival. Okay. So that takes all media to film festivals only that takes in perp to one year. And that takes 
world to Canada. So if you think about it, if this is all media in purple world rights, one year Film Festival Canada is like this a wee little piece of it. So the fees won't be there up front quite as much, but that allows productions with a lower budget to be able to potentially secure the rights to songs for what they initially need. Then we can build in what's called a step. So you start out with one year Canada Film Festival, and then we bake in a step to extend those rights to all media in Purple World rights, which will also get you an additional fee bump to bring you up to the proper level of fees. So you start out small with small asks, small rights, small money, and then we ask for the broader rights to bump the, right, the, the fees up to match what we're asking for for the exploitation of the project. Is that in-depth for you? <laughs> Is that... Yeah, yeah, it's actually really... Uh clarified a few things for me personally uh so thank you um because because it's it's also you know as an indie artist often you hear like you know they're being underpaid or like bad deals and, and things like that like there's some landmines to always sort of look for um and and there's a lot of questions kind of coming through so i'm trying to balance that um kirk asked and this is a good one relating to what we're talking about is the upfront p is the upfront fee paid through the pro or is it directly to the composer, publisher of the song? Yes. So first of all, hey, Kirk, how's it going? <laughs> um, <laughs> secondly, I've been in Newfoundland. Uh, secondly, um, so the upfront fee is paid to the rights holders. So that's direct from production to rights holders. So if you're self-controlled and you're one stop and you own your own master and your own publishing, the check will be cut to you directly. Um, or if you have a label or a publisher, the check will be cut to the label and the publisher from the production. The PROs only get involved on the publishing side, and that's after the placement's been happen has happened. So the upfront fee goes directly to the rights holders. The back end royalty fee goes to the PROs, and the PROs pay them out say quarterly, like SoCan, for example. Um, they just tack it on to your sort to your quarterly payout. They work their magic, whatever it is, it really is magic. I don't know how it works, but I submit the cue sheet. They track how many times that episode has aired, where it's aired, et cetera, et cetera. They talk to all their other PRO buddies and they get a number and then they produce the royalties on the back end, which come out on your, your quarterly checks. So to answer the question in a nutshell, upfront fees are paid directly to you. Back end fees are paid out by the royalty or by the PROs. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and I saw, I just saw a friend uh, post uh, just the other day, uh, photo of his uh, payout for something like a placed in the Super Bowl. So oh, there you go. pretty that's, cool. That's a good paycheck, I'm sure. Good, good paychecks. <laughs> um, and it's just, wow, lots of questions going on. Um, I think overall, there's a number of questions on as an artist, what's the easiest way to get to a music supervisor, like get on their radar and be introduced? Uh, and is there things not to do, like in that initial email, for instance? Yeah. Okay. So this is the age old question. Um, this is what I get asked every day of my life of how do we cut through? How do we, so, you know, number one thing is like cream rises to the top. So if your music's good, it'll catch the attention of a supervisor. Two is a patience game. You never know what a supervisor is necessarily working on at the moment. A lot of the times if you reach out and you're like, Hey, you know, you're working on the new season of Letterkenny, for example. Okay, great. But I'm already actively working on it and we're almost done it. So by the time that the general public knows what I'm working on, it's probably too far gone to be pitching music for that said production. Hopefully they come back with different additional seasons and, and that, sure. But my view personally, and this is my view alone in the respect of, I know a lot of people have a different set of view and they only want two or three tracks, but my view is 
I'm always trying to prep myself for the next project coming in the door. So I will give you a 101 on how to pitch me personally. But again, some people will be alienated by this approach. Some people won't be into it. This is for me. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, here's kind of how you cut through with me. So what I want is I want volume. I want as much music as I can get from, from an artist because I never know what project's coming through the door next that I'm going to be working on. And I don't know what those needs are. So if you're handpicking three tracks to send me and realistically track seven on your record is the vibe that I get that I need for this next uh, project I'm working on. I don't even get track seven because you cherry picked three. How is that ever going to get placed if I don't have it? So I want as much music as possible personally. So here's your 101 on how to pitch me. So what I want is I want a quick blurb in an email. So I, uh, the subject line can be whatever you want. I don't, it, it, it doesn't, I, I read every email. I'm one of those guys who cannot leave, you know, a notification. I have to tick every box and, and go through and make sure that it's all cleared out. So subject line, totally up to you. What I want in the body of the email is I only want like three or four lines. I don't want a novel because I don't have time to read through a novel. And it's very intimidating whenever you scroll, whenever you open an email and it's like, hey, I have to scroll to get to a signature line. Honestly, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. So give me like three or four lines, just kind of being like, hey, you know, I watched a chat on Indie Week or, you know, my band is this name and, you know, we're kind of whatever this kind of genre and here, download these links or download these tracks here. Give me a hyperlink. Okay, great. Make sure that link doesn't expire. I know I've said it before, but do not let that link expire because as I just referenced, I never know when the project's coming through the door next. So I may not need your style of music for a year. I don't know. I don't know. So if it expires, I'm just going to skip over it whenever I go to revisit it. So three or four lines, just kind of a quick, very quick, hey, here's where I met you. Hey, here's how we connected, whatever it is. Here's my band's name. Here you can download the music. Then you've got your signature line. Then below your signature line, what I want you to do is I want you to outline as many artists that you're similar to, uh, inspired by, go as broad as you can go, okay? And I want, you know, themes, moods, et cetera, et cetera, all below your signature line. The reason being, whenever I click open your email and I just have a couple blurbs, it's not intimidating. Great, easy. There's your music. It's one hyperlink. Boom. It's the only thing that's blue. Awesome. Then what I do is whenever a new project comes in, the first thing I do is I go to my email and I use it like a search engine. So what I do is say Nina Simone is a reference artist. I go to my email and I type in Nina Simone in the search bar. It will pull up every email that references Nina Simone. There's your email. I click click here for my, my link. Bam. Oh, look, the link didn't die. It's, it's open. I re-download it right then and there and make a new folder for the brand new project. That's how I start everything. So what that does, whenever I say put as many artists as you can for similar to inspired by, et cetera, et cetera, the more artists you have, the more chances that it's going to be something that I'm using as a reference. If you only put in five artist names and I pick another artist that you could have put in, but you didn't because you wanted to limit it or you wanted to be mysterious and cool, like we talked about with not finding your email, then that's going to hinder you, to be honest, because it's not going to populate your email whenever I type in Nina Simone, if you have every, you know, five or six artists, if you have 50 artists, Nina Simone may be in there. Okay, great. It's going to pull you up. And then I will realistically do the listening to find out if I think it works for that specific scene. So even if it's just kind of like, yeah, we're kind of like, or, oh yeah, I really enjoyed this. And I, I hear elements, throw it in there of the artist. 
because I will in the end be cutting it down from those two, 300 tracks down to a pitch of 15, 20. I'll be doing the listening. That's part of my job to do. But what that does is that creates me a large bucket to play with. And I'm not going out in the atmosphere and trying to find it from billions and billions of songs. I'm doing it from a selected tracks that I've downloaded. So, and then that's where it's important to make sure that your metadata is all up to date on your, on your, um, on your, on your tracks that you pitch us with the MP3s, just so that way, if it is shortlisted, I can click get info and I can remember where I pulled it from because I'm pulling this from a lot of different emails. Um, and then the other thing that I would strongly suggest is don't follow up. So if you send us music, trust that it's going through the system. Trust that it's going through. Trust that it will be rediscovered whenever we have that project. If you follow up every week and say, hey, what do you think of track seven? Hey, what do you think of track? If I see your name pop up, I probably won't even get re-download the music. And again, it's awful. And this is just straight to the point, but we don't have time to respond and critique music because like I said, you know, on not on average, but like at times I've had 45 projects on the go in different stages. So my days are so filled with work that it's like, I'll pull your music when I need it, but I can't say, hey, I really enjoyed track seven at 36 seconds. You know, that vocal was was phenomenal. Like, I don't have time to just sit down and do that. It's very much a very fast pace. Like the chances of me listening to an entire song even is very slim unless it gets like super shortlisted. Usually it's kind of like beginning, middle, end, kind of give a vibe. Okay, I get where this is going. Yes, that's enough like the reference or no, it's not. So that's kind of my process. And that's how you cut through to me is like good music, good tagging in the respect of artists you're similar to, but then also your music is all organized because I don't want to hit barriers. I don't want to hit walls when actually going to clear music. So again, long-winded, did that answer the question? No, that, that was that was great. And I'm, I just want to expand on it because this goes across everything, websites, landing pages, EPKs, social media profiles. And, and I've, I've had talks at lengths with artists about this and students I teach at Harris as well. Um, often artists are trying to be mysterious and creative. I get it, but it doesn't help in the digital world of being found. Uh, my background is websites as well. I do digital stuff. So SEO, search engine optimization, how do you get found? Put words in that people look for. And, and um, the, the jokes in the early days of like, you know, how do you tell an indie artist doing a radio interview? What do you sound like? Uh, we sound like nothing that you would... Uh, probably no. Great. Now we still don't know what you sound like and and such. So so what you really need to do is sounds like and you put names of artists that everybody knows. Everybody creative, your mother. Everybody yeah, knows. Yes. Exactly. And and the other part is is to be creative. What I would try to do is put artists together that at least define what might be a new sound. Like Nine Inch Nails meets Smashing Pumpkins meets U two three totally different types of artists, which kind of makes you go, oh, that might be interesting, but really important. Uh, think of all the words people put in Google that would relate to you. And these are the types of words to look at. And if I could just add a, a uh, like I use email exactly, it's my search engine and, and same, hey, can you listen to this? No, there's not enough time. My emails right now, I look today is at 4,200 in my inbox. Uh, I have no time, so long-winded emails. I'm very much with you on that. Um, just a real quick tip is uh, hit return a whole bunch of times so it's not in Cody's face up at the front, but put list off a lot of bands at the bottom because it still be found in the search engine. So, so I've often kind of been say, put the important info at the top 
and the searchable stuff at the bottom, and it'll still be found when searching in emails. Absolutely. And that's exactly the approach that I love because again, I don't want to, if I see a novel, it's like, I'm not going to read through it. And like, again, this sounds really harsh and I don't mean to come across harsh, but it's like, I don't care about awards you've won. I don't care about say, you know, Spotify numbers. Personally, I'm like, I want the music and I want to know what it sounds similar to because I'm trying to replace something. I'm trying to find a mood. I get it. Congratulations. Like, it's awesome that you're doing well and you're tracking really well. I really do like, you know, like that's, that's genuine. That's not like a, like, that's awesome. But it's like for the purposes of, of, of downloading your music and finding it to source for a new project, I don't need that information yet. Maybe if you're negotiating and we get to that stage and like, Hey, you know, that fee's a little low. I would really love it because like, here's what we've done in the last month. Here are our Spotify numbers. Here's our download, whatever it is. Okay. That's justification for why you're negotiating or why we're negotiating and talking about, you know, increasing a fee potentially or something like that. But it, in the introduction, I just, I want to get to the music. I want to get the music quick, which is why I'm also like hyperlink it because that little blue box, it's the only piece of color probably in the email. So it's like, great. I know where I'm going. Click click like that's honestly just the efficiency is is so important in this world absolutely and and uh the other part of efficiency that i wanted to really highlight what you said because i get this a lot i get an email but then on facebook i get uh hey i sent you an email and then linkedin did you get my email and it just send it and and if you don't hear in two weeks just go send the, the reply, the email, Hey, just putting this at the top of your inbox, uh, something like that. That's it. Exactly. And like, you know, again, we get so much content. Like I think I average close to four to 500 emails a day. Like I, I actually sat down and tracked it one time and it's like all that coming in. If, if it's follow-ups and follow-ups and follow-ups, it's like, I, I stop. I'm like, you know, you're like, I can't express that enough. It's like, I got your music, you know, I'm waiting for a project. If it works, it works. I'll let you know. And that's like, you know, that's kind of, the most transparent I can be about that is that yeah. send your email. I did get it. I, I just wanted, wanted to kind of highlight that because I, I see it a lot. Now, um, I wanted like, see how fast the time goes. It's like already <laughs> a few minutes left. Um, is there like your highlight story and your worst story? So like, yes, I nailed it and didn't think this would ever happen. Or an artist that is sort of like, you know, your gold medal and is there the, like what was your horror story as well Great yeah piece. yeah so I, I have luckily I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of those like hero stories of like oh yes I did it um one like personal for me there's two that stick out one is uh so I'm a pop punk and boy band fan that's like my if I were in the car what's playing it's going to be like 2000s boy bands or like 2000s pop punk but anyway so I got the opportunity to place Backstreet Boys in a uh in a commercial last Christmas for um or last holiday season for um PC Insider so that was kind of cool it's like a bucket list like all right cool I licensed Backstreet Boys so that was cool another one was uh at the end of one of the seasons of Letterkenny there was Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches and uh, that was just a track that I've always like, I, I grew up watching Jackass and that, and that song was always in there. So like having one of those childhood moments of like, oh, that's one of the tracks that I always listened to growing up. And like, I knew every word to it. And like, it was a joke around the office at the time too. Cause like all of a sudden I just bust into it and I do the whole song. Right. And it was like, then an opportunity came and it was like, all right, like, what about this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of our short lists. I was like, done, let's do it. And like, that's one of those moments. Um, as for 
headaches or like the the horror stories there's one that specifically stands out on a tv show i worked on um so i did so we licensed this track and uh, about a week and a half before we went to air so everything's all locked like it's delivered it's all done i get an email from the people who signed off on the agreement and they say hey uh somebody in our office actually signed off on this wrong we don't have the rights to sign off on this song and i'm like what like this has been done for literally months like it's been sitting they've been paid everything's fully executed it's done so realistically i could have walked away at that point and said tough if lawsuits come out of this, that's why we have agreements in place. But we had a bit of time and I talked to the producer and they're like, okay, let's try to get this sorted. So they said, okay, well, we don't actually have the rights. That was the wrong person who, you know, signed off on it. The right, the this we manage them, but we don't have the sync rights. So the sync rights actually are retained by the artist directly and he's not really into it. And I was like, well, taught like again, okay, connect me with the artist. So I had phone calls and hour-long phone calls with them and trying to negotiate, like, you know, whatever. And it worked out that finally the artist said, okay, let's do it. But they charged us double what we had originally agreed for. Budget was locked. Everything was done. And I was like, okay, you got us over a barrel. I guess we got to do this. So we paid them double. We got all the paperwork signed literally the day before it went to air. It went to air. Three days after I get a, an email and it's like, hey, my song was used on this show. And I was like, what are you talking about? Turns out that this artist had illegally sampled somebody else's, another independent artist's song. And all he did was say a couple rap lines over it, but the majority of it was an instrumental, which was this guy's instrumental track. And he's like, yeah, I met the guy once and like whatever, but he never notified me that the song was used in the, for this release. So then I had to go and play the mediator between the guy we renegotiated the deal with and this guy who came out of the blue saying it was his song, which it was his song. And I had to, like basically after the fact that it had aired to make sure nobody got sued, sort out publishing splits between the two of them to make sure that they both felt that they were fairly compensated. In the end, it worked out, thank goodness. And everything came, but you want to talk about, and this was around Christmas time. So we're talking, you want to see stressful time of the year? Give me three weeks around Christmas between New Year's and the beginning of December. And all this is falling is happening while I'm trying to enjoy, you know, going and seeing the family for Christmas and that. And all I can think about is like, how is this going to end up? So, and that's why, and that person, I will never, ever, I don't care if they're the biggest artist in the world, they will never get licensed by me again. They are absolutely on my, pardon, but my shit list. They are never, not even going near anybody with that original label that misrepresented it and said that they owned it and then, you know, pulled back on that. Never will I license from that label again. So they you just finish. you just right. answered Kirk's question. Did you did they get any more placements from you after that? Absolutely not, <laughs> and never ever in my life will they ever. Uh, so. Oh man, thank you so so much for sharing that. And I, <laughs> I wanted to add a couple of things that I thought of and and forgot yeah. to add. But um, I worked with some artists in you know consulting and such. And one of the things is uh, I kind of did a project with them, saying write a song a day. And I think they got into like up to 85 songs or so. And it's like, pick the 10 best for your album. Now, the thing about writing songs is you end up with catalog that you can send to supervisors for uses outside of performing. So a lot of times you can write things that aren't your style. Like, hey, we're a rock band, but we're writing country. Uh, the more variety you have, I think the more chance you have for placements. Uh, would you? Agree with that? 
Absolutely. Now, the only thing that I would caveat that with is whatever you send to supervisors, make sure that you're okay. It's out in the world. So I'll give you another anecdote. I was working on a TV show and we got a demo of a track and we pitched it and production loved it. So it made the final edit. And whenever we went around and we were finalizing the deal and we went to get the wave file for the final mix, they sent us the cleaned up, polished, finished version. And we're like, no, no, we want the demo. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to release the demo. That's not in line with the image of the artist or what their new sound is sounding like. And I was like, well, you sent us the demo. This is what the song is that's placed. So again, further negotiations and that we were able to use the demo, but that's just a word for the wise. If you're sending supervisors music, you never know what's going to get placed. So make sure if you, if it's poor quality or it's not at all what you want your artist image to be result revolved around at all don't just don't send it because if we don't have it we can't pitch it but i totally agree if you've dabbled in other genres but it's not quite right for your current project you know your trajectory we'll call it as an artist and but you're open to it you're like hey you know if it gets placed cool awesome send them over because again in my mind and many supervisors have a different output on it but i got this from david of hoarding music and but i can never have too much because I like to deal with bulk. I like to deal with, hey, I'd rather cut down 300 than struggle to find 15. So give me as much content as you can. Right. And like an artist could, you know, make a, you know, a different artist name and release under a, a different artist name Absolutely. for catalog kind of material and, and things like that. Like, like you can put the pressure off and just say, this is my other artist's name and I'm just releasing all this stuff over here so that it doesn't affect what I'm actually trying to do as an artist. When you're prepping it with the metadata, just change the artist's name. I will never know the difference whether it's you or not, like, you know, your performing artist name or not. I'll just be like, hey, here's the track we want by artist Y. You know, if you're artist X and you send it to me as artist Y, I'll just think it's an artist that you rep or like, obviously I may know it's you listening to the two side by side, but more than likely I'll just be like, hey, we want this song by artist Y that's it. <laughs> like there's the change right there. Now you're not necessarily associated with it. If your trajectory is going in a different genre or a different path. Exactly. And I know some artists who uh, were really trying hard to make it as an artist, but on the side, they were writing songs and now this is what they do. They actually are more about working on getting music placed um, into things because there's some money to be made here. Um, Cody, thank you so much for your time. Any last words? Uh, yeah, you know what? It's funny. This is actually a great way to, to sign off. But uh, in the wise words of David Heyman, stay authentic. You know, everybody can try to write to be the next Grey's Anatomy Ender or whatever. We honestly, as supervisors, we will hear that right away. But if you just stay authentic, create music that you love, create music that you want to produce, that will cut through a million times better than something that was specifically written for sync in the way that we listen to it and we look for it. So just stay authentic, keep it a hundred. That's it. Excellent. So everybody, if this is for people who are comfortable, but uh, we always like to know who's tuning in. If you are comfortable turning on your camera, we do our group selfie shot at the end. Uh, and uh, please share on socials what we're doing. Tell the world uh, everyone is welcome. This is a safe space. Everybody's welcome. And it's great to know each other even though, though virtually, I see Jay's in the room. I see Mac, who's been commenting. Uh, I see Sandra, Philip. Um, 
it's it's great to see you all. And uh, we're here every Tuesday. Next week, we're going to do unanswered questions answered from uh, Indie Week. Uh, Cody, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, everybody. All right. So that does it for this week. Big thanks to Cody Partridge for making the time to join Daryl for that Indie Weekly session. As always, we have these Indie Weekly sessions every Tuesday, uh, deep dive conversations into all facets of the music industry, any topic that impacts the careers of musicians. And it's also just a wonderful way for musicians, artists, and music industry folks to connect with each other, have conversations. You see a lot of chat going on, um, like in the chat box during the weekly session. Uh, you're tuning in live, so you get to ask questions to these professionals that we're bringing to Indie Weekly. So to register for future Indie Weekly sessions, see what's coming up, go to IndieWeek.com. Just click the Indie Weekly tab there at the top of the page. And very importantly, before I go, big thanks to uh, Indie Week sponsors and funders who uh, make Indie Weekly and everything else possible. That includes the Government of Canada for helping fund Indie Week, as well as Slate Music, CD Baby, the City of Toronto, Banzoogle, the CMRRA, Lyric Find, Seneca College, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, SEMA, and the SOCAN Foundation. Big thank you to all. Lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a rating or review in the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen if it lets you do so. It really helps other people find the podcast. Deeply appreciated. And share it and like and follow and all those good things on social media for Indie Week. Follow Indie Week on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. You know the drill. All right. That does it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you tune in again. Stay safe out there. Be well. See you later.